Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention Outfit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are joined by James Rathbar. I was kind of thinking that since some of the restaurants and bars are closed kind of around the area, there are some of us that are really missing out on our trivia nights. So we've brought James in today to do a little bit of ergonomic trivia with us and just kind of see where our standards fall at this point. James is a certified ergonomist. This is a very special, long process to become certified in this. So his expertise is one that speaks volumes to what we can trust and finding that information that will make a huge difference at your work site. You know, and not just an ergonomist, but James is also a fabulous educator. So he really takes pride in in being able to get this information across to the masses. And so join in with us and see who wins, Curtis or I, on this edition of Ergonomics Trivia. Well, we're glad to have you back with us, James, and it's always fun to try to make a topic that may not seem like the most lighthearted thing, but have a little fun with it. So we're going to do a little trivia with us, and Amber and I are going to go back and forth talking about these questions and get your great insights on some common maybe myths or things that people may not think about when it comes to ergonomics. So we're going to start off with the first question here, true or false? So of The common ergonomic-related risk factors, so we're talking like force, repetition, vibration, things like that. Force is the worst risk factor that should be addressed first. So out of all the bad things that can happen, true or false, Amber, what are you thinking? Well, I kind of cheated because James did post this for us at work, but I believe it is false. Curtis? I'm with you on that. I I think that uh, force is not happy, but I I feel like there's worse things involved. So James, what do you got for us? True or false? That's perfect. Yeah. False is the correct answer. And once again, the answer to just about any high level question is it depends. So in this case, it depends on the severity of the ergo risk factor. When more than one risk factor is present, especially the potential for and the severity of injury increases significantly. So think of bending and reaching. You have those awkward postures and lifting a 75-pound item, the force, throughout the entire day. So then you have repetition. So you have three risk factors at play there, and that really increases the potential and the severity of the injury. So, you know, lifting a 75-pound item once, not so much of a risk factor for, for many of the people in the population. But if you're lifting it from a lower height and someone's bending, doing it, then it becomes an issue because it's multiplied by that other risk factor. So really the important thing is that you can't always say this one's first. It's you have to be able to have the understanding that any of them could be first. It just depends which one you see as the ergonomic expert are able to tell that's going to be the worst for them. Exactly. Yeah. And just to further emphasize what you just mentioned, you can have one risk factor. And if it's bad enough, if you're seeing it in the environment and we've come to the conclusion that it's bad enough, it can actually be worse than having two or three risk factors as well. So it really does depend. So to say that one is worse than all the others would be false. I like that. Okay, next one, true or false. All job tasks, manual material handling duties, so machinery, tools, equipment, things like that. So of all the job tasks should be designed based on the average person. So okay, every job should meet the 50th percentile. Uh, I'm going to go with 
false. Anytime there's the word all, I'm always leery of that. Amber, what are your thoughts? I'm actually going to go with true on this one. I'm in the same realm with you on the kind of the definite word, but I'm going to go true on this one. James, what do you got for us? And the correct answer is, and I can see where you're going with true, but the, the correct answer is false. Yeah, even though the, the 50th percentile captures a majority of the population, we have a saying here in the ergo realm that, you know, if you design for the average person, you're really designing for no one. And the reason for that is that the chances of someone being that average height, but also having the average arm length or leg length, hand size, strength, et cetera, are very slim. It's hard to one person or average height person having all those other average characteristics. It, it just doesn't happen very often. So including adjustability within the design of the processes, tools, and equipment are recommended to capture a majority of the population and those, that variation among and between individuals. Good. I like that you covered the adjustability part because I was going to say, well, then what, James? Yeah. <laughs> so we got, got to work on doing whatever we can to make things adjustable for the population. All right, number number three, true or false, it is always better to push rather than pull. And you know what? I made up a flyer for one of our clients that said this exact thing. So I am going to go with true on this one. Curtis? I really am not a big fan of that word always. That's the one that where I'm leery, but I am a bigger fan of pushing. I think you should push. So I'm going to say I'm going to say false just because the word always is there. Curtis, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's good. In this realm, there are hardly any absolutes. So to be able to say always, I can't say that that would, quote unquote, always be the case. So in this case, it's false. And as Amber mentioned, when you're pushing, it's always an ideal circumstances to be able to do that because you're recruiting those large, stronger muscles of your legs compared to your arms and your back when you typically pull although you can pull by utilizing your legs as well. So the answer to this is false because it really depends on if you're transporting an item over an incline, going down a decline like a ramp, how the weight is distributed on the cart, hand truck, whatever it is, line of sight for safety. So there, there are a lot of variables. You know, I always tell people, try pushing a, a keg of beer on a hand truck up a ramp compared to pulling it up a ramp. Try pulling a hand truck with milk crates and milk products over a curb if there's not a ramp there compared to pushing it up there. You really see that there's, in that case, pulling gives you a better mechanical advantage than, than trying to push something. You know, now that we talk about it, I do remember on that flyer, I said, whenever possible. So I like that. <laughs> those definite words are just killing us. Curtis, what have you got for us next? All right. Next, we have true or false engineers. Are the professionals best suited to be ergonomous? Now, and this is nothing against engineers, but I'm going to have to say false on this one. I am as well. As athletic trainers, I think that we've got a good, a good eye that could lead us into the ergonomics world as well. James, what do you think about including athletic trainers? That's perfect. Yeah, false is the correct answer. And, you know, a little known trivia fact, too. I started off as an athletic trainer before I became an engineer. So I'd like to, to think that I have a little bit of perspective on this. So although engineers can be well-suited to be ergonomists, what I like is that the beauty of ergonomics to me is the multidisciplinary nature of the problems we encounter, as well as their, their solutions. I always teach that ergonomics is a scientific discipline composed of many disciplines, but at the core, 
our engineering, psychology, and musculoskeletal consistent of your athletic trainers, your physical therapist, occupational therapist, folks like that. So to say that engineers are best suited, that would be a false statement because it really depends on the the problem and it depends on the solution. You know, I always say we have the golden hammer and that's if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. What we encounter while on site are problems that might consist of engineering, might consist of behavioral, you know, it might consist of administrative controls that we need to develop. And then the root causes are even more variable than that. Well, and I think it's, it goes to the point that ergonomics is about the human. So if somebody doesn't have that foundational understanding of the human body, it can be, you know, not that engineers can't learn that. Obviously they can, but that's not what their training is focused on from what I understand. And so I think that bringing in the fact that somebody has learned how the muscles work and mechanical advantages in the human body, how that helps strengthen their understanding of ergonomics. Exactly, Curtis. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in project teams. If you don't have an ergonomist that has a background in all of those, I recommend project teams so that you're able to tackle the the problem from uh, multiple perspectives with a lot of diversity that will help to not only identify the root causes, but also develop recommendations that will be effective and sustainable. Nice. All right. Trick question number five. We're on a roll here. True or false? It takes the same amount of time to perform a task properly as it does to perform the task improperly. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say false because I think sometimes you can perform a task properly faster than improperly. Ooh, I like the answers. And, and, you know, honestly, the answer is false. (sighs) I'll clarify that. I should say false, not always. You know, it's not always the the same amount of time. I feel like I just got a participation. Good job. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, think about, uh, you know, order selectors in a warehouse. If they reach into a pick location, grab an item, and then they bend and reach and place the item on the opposite side of their pallet, you know, it's going to be quicker than them lifting the item, carrying it around the other side of the pallet, and then placing it. So quicker doesn't always mean better, though. So when I encounter tasks like that, it seems to take significantly longer to perform the task properly compared to improperly. I always like taking a look at a deeper look into how the process is performed to see if we can change the process and or provide better tools and equipment to assist the operator. I think another thing too with that is that if the whole thing I really share with uh, the order selectors that I work with is that yes, you can do it faster that one time, but it's going to make your back, you're isolating all the stress on your back and it makes your back tired. So you can't perform. So I guess it's the time frame, like for that one specific one tiny lift, you may have moved faster, but how you're going to move slower throughout the night because you're going to be tired. You got it. Yeah. Cumulative effect and fatigue. Definitely. That was also one of the things that I like pointing out when I was in the warehouse setting or grocery warehouse setting, I should say, and and doing that new hire training was just, guys, if you actually do it the right way the first time, or even as you're learning it, you actually are faster in the end. And just trying to get to see some of those light bulbs go on, um, opposed to maybe some of the things they heard from the older guys, like, oh, it takes too long or whatever, but but trying to get them to turn around to see that, no, you know, really over the overall cumulative effect, like both of you just said, is you're going to be faster. So Exactly. We've talked a lot about what Fit for Work has to offer, and I just want to give some context on how those services can help your company. 
And what most companies do is they try to tackle safety only with internal personnel. And while this is good, it usually leads to being overwhelmed and missing important details. Don't let that happen to you. And our mission isn't to take over safety and to tell you what to do. Instead, Fit for Work is there to be a reliable resource, a more reliable resource than Google, uh, to help you improve safety at your company and take care of the most important valuable resource, your employees. Please visit our website, wellworkforce.com, and click connect with us. All right, true or false? According to recent research, job rotations are not effective for injury prevention. I hope that this is false. I'm going to go with false as well. Here's the truth to it. The correct answer is it's true. Oh, no. I'm going to let that sit in for a little bit, but... There are a lot of people that think otherwise, and the research is showing something different. This is one of those I want to put an asterisk by. So improperly designed job rotations are, are definitely not going to be effective for injury prevention. Properly designed job rotations can make marginal improvements as a standalone solution. But however, you know, let me clarify that a little bit more. Properly designed job rotations can also have additional benefits such as job enlargement that provides a mental break change of scenery or change of pace to provide some mental stimuli that will help with that mental cognitive fatigue as well. And and job rotations are also great from an operational perspective because of cross-training. So as a standalone solution, they're not very effective, but not many controls as standalone solutions really are. But as part of other controls, they do have their place. Okay. So it's more of there are benefits, but to think that just because you job rotated, that's going to solve your injuries. That's too simple of a perspective or idea is what you're saying. That's correct. Because with the job rotation, all you're really doing is you're taking a risk or you're taking the physical demands and you're just spreading it over a larger population. So, you know, it's like you're spreading something over a wider surface area. You're, you're not getting rid of it, but you're kind of diluting it. Interesting. It's just taking a pause again to, to let that, <laughs> that part of it all soak in. All right, we are on number seven of our 10 trivia questions here. And number seven is true or false? Ergonomics is a business want, not a need. I am going to go with false on this. I think it is a need. I feel like this one is more based on anything can be a need or a want. It's depending on your profits, but I... Me personally, I feel it is an absolute need. Wants would be too much of a dilution of the importance of job safety, in my opinion. So I'm going to say need, I'm going to say it's false. And both of you are correct. Yes. At its core and by definition, ergonomics is systems-based. If you want to have an optimized system, which is what every organization wants for productivity, quality, for profitability, you want an optimized system. So ergonomics should be included as a need. The need is due to the human operator and how that person actually integrates with the entire work environment. A human-centric approach, starting with that human and working outward, will will help to ensure this integration occurs. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all all about productivity. And the bottom line is that if, so if you, you as we talked about before, ergonomics pays for itself in efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. Properly designed ergonomics initiatives and programs definitely do that. 
All right, so next one, round number eight, true or false, engineering solutions are standalone solutions. Now, as far as, and what I've experienced, there's no such thing as a standalone, everything seems to be integrated. So I'm going to go false on this one. What do you got, Amber? You know, I hope for any of our listeners out there playing along, if they have learned one thing over our two seasons of cumulative podcast interviews, I hope that they have learned that this is false. There is not a standalone solution. Perfect. Great answers. You know, great response. That That is correct. Yeah, uh, it's false. There's a saying, if you want to eliminate human behavior as a cause, you need to engineer it out. That's, a, you know, an old time saying. And, you know, I still hear it nowadays. It, you know, in theory, it seems to make sense. But in actuality, though, if, if you really look at it, engineering solutions are not always standalone solutions. Uh, I've been on site and, and seen tens of thousands of dollars spent on vacuum lift assist devices to eliminate the lifting of of heavy items. Sounds great in theory. Engineer it out. Let's have the machine do it. But I also see on those same lift assist devices, uh, sometimes a thick covering of dust on them since the operators haven't been properly trained on how to utilize the lift assist device or because uh, leadership hasn't conveyed to them that it's an expectation of their job. And, And ultimately, some of the places I've been it becomes literally, and no exaggeration, a $20,000 plus coat hanger. <laughs> oh, man, that's a sad thing to think about. But I mean, it's, it's no different than the treadmill. I mean, I think a lot of times people buy these treadmills with good intentions and uh, they end up having it become a dragon rack. You know, and we've got that same situation at one of my clients is we've got this great lift assist device, but then when the employees are going over to use it, they're using awful body mechanics using the lift assist device. So I'd almost rather have them do a tube man lift on the product if they're not going to be using the machine correctly. So that was a perfect example, James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Utilizing, you have that engineering device, you have that piece of machinery, that tool and equipment, but if they don't have the training, the behavioral training to go along with it, it, it's not effective. So once again, you know, getting rid of that notion that there are standalone solutions when there really aren't. Yeah, definitely bringing in that human aspect is so important. All right. Number nine, true or false. Ergonomics is expensive and time consuming. I'm going to say false. I mean, there may be some upfront costs, but in the long run, it will be saving. Yeah. If there was one of those definitive words in there as far as always or whatever, I'd go false. But on the upstart, when a company brings in someone as an ergonomic specialist, there is a cost factor and definitely a time factor that goes into kind of that upfront side. So I'm going to just, just for the sake of argument, go with true on this one. Yeah. And this is one of those questions that should have a true, false, or it depends answer because ergonomics can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Startup costs and everything are a relative it's a relative expense compared to the end result. And what I mean by that is there may be an initial investment, but that if properly analyzed, designed, developed, implemented, and evaluated, ergonomics initiatives will, will pay for themselves and then some with a, with a great return on investment. So it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, just as, as well as recommendations that are ergonomic in nature, uh, there are many no-cost or low-cost solutions. It, it just may take a little bit more time to research to figure it out compared to pushing the easy button of, let's just automate it. And, and that really runs into a huge expense. And I share in the, in the course that I teach that automation doesn't always provide a better return on investment than having humans perform the task. 
you know, we've talked about it a lot too, as far as the return on investment in human lives and letting your employees go home to bodies that feel good and and are able to do those things that they enjoy at home too. So there's a lot that goes into that. Our final question, number 10, true or false, ergonomics will decrease human performance and operational efficiency or productivity. I am going to say false. 100% 100% false. This is, I think we skewed negative on these answers, James, because there's a lot of falses I'm noticing. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I kind of put a little psychology into it because all of a sudden you're starting thinking false. It's like, okay, should I answer true? I was like, because you figure when most people put it together, there's going to be some true ones in there. It's like, no, I just wanted to, to, to lead you down. I did that have path. a teacher that gave a test once where there was 30 answers and literally 28 of them were false. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Once again, yeah, definitely false with an asterisk by it too, because it, it depends. Because, you know, if analyzed, designed, developed, and implemented improperly, especially without a process in place to evaluate these initiatives, ergonomics can hurt human performance and, and operational efficiency and productivity. However, you know, if ergonomics is developed, analyzed, designed, developed, implemented, and evaluated properly, it's going to actually improve human performance and operational uh, efficiency and productivity. As a side note, one of my passions is is continuous improvement through the use of ergonomics, you know, also known as uh, as lean ergonomics. So by utilizing lean principles, which are concerned with reducing waste in, in various forms, the integration of the person with the process work environment, the ergonomics is improved just by eliminating those waste, but also by improving the integration of the person with the process uh, or work environment, which is ergonomics, you know, waste, especially in the form of wasted movements, uh, which increase the physical demands of the job, is improved. So it's a win for everyone by incorporating ergonomics into continuous improvement and continuous improvement incorporating ergonomics. And that even ties in the question number nine, as far as ergonomics being expensive and time consuming, if you're decreasing the waste products, then that covers some of those upfront costs as well. So it all ties back together. Sure. Yeah. And that's one of the issues many people have. What I hear when I I read these forums and podcasts and talking with with coworkers is that I I have these great ideas and I know it's going to reduce injuries, but no one's implementing it. I, I don't understand. And as ergonomists and as injury prevention specialists, what we can continue to do a better job of is making that business case. Injury prevention is great. You know, it's an altruistic endeavor. It's awesome. It's just the human, the right moral, ethical thing to do. However, if you tell someone that trying to make a business case, it comes off as emotional and subjective and you may have some buy-in, but if you can tie that in with making the business case of, hey, if we incorporate this we are going to improve the entire system. We're going to make it to with this human-centric approach. We're going to make it easier and safer on the workers. They're going to be happier. Morale is going to improve. We're going to have all these benefits. Plus, errors are going to decrease. Quality is going to improve. Rework is going to decrease. Production is going to improve. Productivity, profitability is going to improve. It's a win-win for everyone. You know, and that just basic review of ergonomics is exactly why we wanted to have you on today, James. Thank you so much for putting together these true-false trivia questions for us. And we really appreciate your time and enlightenment again. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. And I hope everyone enjoyed this. To me, like I said, ergonomics is a passion of mine. 
and learning is a passion of mine. And I, I hope we made this fun and ergonomics becomes more widespread, more people want to join in and help the cause. So thank you for, for allowing me this opportunity. That was a good time to have with James. I love doing those type of things where putting us on the spots. And even though we've both been working with Fit for Work for quite a while, it's so nice to be reminded of those important things. And ergonomics is a lifelong thing. It's never, hey, I know it all the time. But always revisiting those questions to help remind you is so, so important. And I think the real take home message here is I'm pretty sure I won. What, Curtis? What was your score? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I only missed one or two, um, uh, but we're going to let our listeners decide on that. I think I got like two or three wrong. But, you know, James said that we're all winners in the end because we all were able to take something home, have a good refresher on these, I guess, not so basic, but just general ergonomics topics today. Kind of a lot of big theme is that these are complex issues. Most of the time, if you try to simplify ergonomics to oh, this is what you always got to do. There's never an always. Those definitive words really catch people when they're trying to make a difference. So just realizing it's that complex situation, never just a one and done answer situation. Looking at it from all and every angle is the best answer. Definitely. So we want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com, or email us at podcast at wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives. 